in some ways this bittersweet season that we're in because it is bittersweet it's awful it's absolutely awful how many people are struggling how many people are dying how many people have restrictions the mental health crisis it's horrendous but it's sweet as well because the opportunities for the gospel are like none i've known in my lifetime it's like the ultimate evangelistic opportunity for years i've longed to see people wake up to to, to want to see what's going on and yet it's not starting to happen it's like this season to be honest it's been hard for the saved because we've lost so much but for the lost it's been it's it's awoken something Hello, welcome to the Keswick Convention podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Redeemed, and your guest this time is Gav Calver. Gav is the CEO of the Evangelical Alliance. Hello, Gav. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Now, for those who aren't familiar with you, would you share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Gav. I live in London. I'm passionate about seeing the lost come to meet Jesus. I've worked for the Evangelical Alliance for five years, the last year leading it. Before that, I did 14 years at Youth for Christ, um, based up in the Midlands. I'm married to a wonderful wife, got two kids, and I love my football. That's probably enough. <laughs> We've also been asking our guests what life looks like in and out of the pandemic. Okay, well, out of the pandemic, it looks very different. It looks very free. I travel everywhere. I do loads of public speaking. I'm forever driving or doing that sort of stuff. In the pandemic, I'm forever on Zoom. Um, one of my kids uh, finds it easier than the other. There's the challenge of balancing life. But I'll tell you something, what remains the same in both is the unwavering hope that we have in Jesus that we must find even in the darkest and most challenging of times. And for a lot of us, these lockdowns have been a chance to reflect and sometimes change tack on things. Are there any examples that you've changed tack or your approach to your thinking towards something, perhaps something you've said or written now after the experiences of the last year, you might want to communicate differently? I think we've all realised the importance of relationship. And we've also all realised that it's the substance of what we do that can't change. The style has to change. So, you know, most of us have gone from being um, communicators to broadcasters. We've learned how to change stuff. So I'm grateful for new skills. I also think we have to employ different tactics. I I preached over 100 times into my phone by September 2020, and I thought that was enough. So then I recorded one. We got the EA uh, video team to record one. And instead of doing loads of individual ones, did one recorded one, went out far wider. So, so it's changing tactics. It's changing those things. But the substance doesn't change. And so I think that's what I've learned in this season. The substance of who I am, what I stand for, and what I'm about remains the same. But the style's got to change like the wind. Because the, the terms and conditions of this time are changing like the wind. I love that, the terms and conditions of the time. I think it's a quote of yours. You can have to correct me if I'm wrong, but saying that you said that if church used to be a set menu, it's now a buffet. You used to get the cow's milk at nine and at five, took half hour to get the milk, half hour to get clean, half hour to get to church. It was like a set menu way. I think going forward, we have to do a buffet. People keep saying, I can't wait to get away from online. I'm not sure that's a choice. Don't get me wrong. I can't wait to be in a building. I can't wait to be doing some worship in the normal way I'm used to. I really am someone who longs to be back in the building. But going forward, many people have looked at your church who never would have done otherwise. Don't shut them out by shutting the door. Stay online and do in person too. Going past back from EA, back through Youth for Christ, back to when you first met Jesus, was that a gradual process? Was it a, a light turning on moment for you? When would you have called yourself a Christian? 
That's tricky, isn't it? Depends on the Calvinists and the Arminians listening to this, I guess. But um, being realistic, I mean, I made my first decision for Jesus when I was five, but that didn't really stick. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I'm kind of from Christian mafia. My parents were in ministry. There's six or seven generations of ministry knocking about. Um, and I just messed about a bit as a teenager, really. So I wouldn't have called myself a Christian really as a teenager. But um, my parents emigrated to America when I was 17, which had a big impact on my life to run the American equivalent of the tier fund. I then uh, did some stuff you wouldn't want your kids to do, I guess. And the day after my 18th birthday party, on my 18th birthday party, I got myself into a bit of trouble. That's a story for another day. And not for a Keswick audience at this stage. It was so long ago. But the day after my 18th birthday party, I woke up and I realised this stuff was serious. Until then, Jesus had been like an auntie figure, someone I knew existed but didn't really want to follow. I realised at this point he was worth everything. So I went and sat on a park bench on my own, surrendered my life to Jesus, and then said, I'll go wherever, whatever, and whenever for you. Dangerous prayer. Um, long time ago now, but I would say, really, I, I surrendered my life to Jesus, aged 18 years and one day. Wow, that's a moment to remember. Was there any scripture that you got very excited about when you'd first met Jesus or heard a particular preach and something resonated? I think my life verse, not from not long after coming to faith, was Romans 8, 31. You know, um, if God is for us, who can be against us? And I think that verse has carried me through. I mean, when you're an evangelist like I am, you're in a rejection ministry. For every person who says yes, 10 say no, even when you've had a good day and a load of people give their lives to Jesus, loads of others say stuff, yeah. And so when you're in that kind of situation and then now leading the Evangelical Alliance, it's not exactly, it's not how to make yourself loved by everyone, is it? It's how to make yourself a social leper. And I think sometimes in that context, remembering Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And uh, that keeps you going. Have there been any particular bits of scripture through this lockdown or through difficult seasons that you've really cherished? I guess we've had a lot stripped away from us in the West and maybe that's brought certain scripture to the surface for you. Yeah, I'd love to say something really profound that people weren't familiar with so they'd be really impacted and go and see it and think what a theologian I am. But being honest, um, from 2 Corinthians, the stuff on jars of clay has really spoken deeply to me. I've come back to that time, time and time again, no matter how crushed we are how under pressure we are it's about him and we can keep going and similarly from hebrews really about running the race about not stopping when particularly when they're quoting back to habakkuk as well about you know basically keep going hold firm it's going to be okay i think that i think the marathon type bible verses have really helped in this season that's felt a bit like one it certainly does feel like a marathon hearing god's word this year often preached through a screen it has been pretty Pretty weird. Have you learned anything about communicating the gospel during this time? Yeah, yeah, big time. Go for it. Absolutely go for it. Um, there's an Andy Stanley quote that says, preach, every time you preach, preach as if your 13-year-old son is sat at the back giving Christianity one last go. And I kind of think that's how I try to preach. That's easy when you've got a crowd. It's harder without one. I'll be honest, I remember going, go, let's go way back to the end of March 2020. And I've been asked to um, preach the gospel for this event. And uh, I, I, so that's fine. I was looking forward to it till I realised it wasn't going to happen. Then it was happening digitally. So I'm up in, I've got, uh, I live in a very small house in London because every house in London's small. But I've got basically a garden shed in which I work a little bit and do some. And I was up there trying, getting ready to preach and just felt the Lord challenge me to do into a phone what I would do in person. Don't hold back. Give it some. So I did. And you feel like a clown, really. You're doing a gospel appeal. You're even doing a prayer of commitment where you're leaving space for people to repeat it. You think, what am I doing? What a donut. And then when it went out, I got a, a wife got in touch with me the day after it went out. She'd been watching it on her telly. 
sat next to her was her husband. Her husband wasn't a Christian, had been mocking her faith for like 20 years, never went near a church. He sat there next to her. He's only sat there because he wants to sit on the sofa. So he's got his paper on the sofa. She's watching. At the end, I do this prayer of commitment and she realises he's praying it with me. And she starts to properly weep because this husband that she's kind of given up on coming to Jesus is coming to Jesus through this. And she was writing just to say, thanks. Now, what that then showed me was different season, different expectation, but also different tactics. You know, it's really easy to do the gospel appeal and get your and get your sense of purpose from whether people respond or not. And then to pray for those people. But actually, um, it pulled me back to from then on every time. Give it some. Imagine the people sat at home and expect God to move as much as you do in the room when you're there. And occasionally, even you come back to Andy Stanley quote. Occasionally, I've got a 14 year old daughter. And every so often when I've been feeling a bit a bit drier, you know, and a bit like I don't really want to do this. I've actually said to her, do you know what? Do us a favour. I'll, I'll get you some ice cream afterwards if you do me a favour. Just come and listen to me talk, will you? And she stood behind the phone. And because then that helps you visualise. So you have to find different ways to do it. But don't go soft on the gospel because, boy, is the gospel having an impact at the moment. That's an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Is there something that you're excited about in Jesus' character that you're finding exhilarating or just that it's getting you out of the bed in the morning? Yeah, yeah, definitely. For me, the most common and greatest promise in scripture is not about what I'll get, it's not about who I'll become, but it's really simple. In the same in the Old and the New Testament, God says to his people, I am with you. You know, we've only just done Christmas fairly recently, haven't we? And I love the way that the, the Gospel of Matthew is bookended with Matthew 1. He'll be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Matthew 28, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And I just think that's what I cling to. That's where I put my hope. At the same time, I'll be honest, I don't need too much encouragement to get out of bed in the morning. I'm quite a positive person. I'm up for stuff. I'm believing for great breakthrough. And I'm also really thinking that in some ways, this bittersweet season that we're in, because it is bittersweet, it's awful. It's absolutely awful how many people are struggling, how many people are dying, how many people have restrictions, the mental health crisis. It's horrendous. But it's sweet as well because the opportunities for the gospel are like none I've known in my lifetime. It's like the ultimate evangelistic opportunity. For years, I've longed to see people wake up to to, to want to see what's going on. And yet it's not starting to happen. It's like this season, to be honest, it's been hard for the saved because we've lost so much. But for the lost, it's been it's, it's awoken something. People are asking questions that we long for them to ask. People are wanting answers that we never thought they wanted. There's this thing going on in our nation where people are waking up to the fact if humanity and secular humanism is all there is to depend on, we're stuffed. But if there's something greater, then let's find it. And friends, hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And so this is an opportunity to be a signpost in the midst of restrictions to the living Jesus who changes everything. Hallelujah. I can't contain myself. That is good news. And say we want to share that news with a friend or a colleague at work and we've maybe we've been having a few work Zooms or there's WhatsApp chat. What would be some good questions to throw into a non-face-to-face interaction with people that we have a bit of relational capital with, but we don't necessarily know quite how to maybe invite them to a Sunday service? I Firstly, I would encourage where you can do face-to-face. And what I mean by that is, is Zoom. You know, um, telephone is not as good as when you see the, the whites of someone's eyes. Zoom is not as good as in person, but it's better than telephone. So I would say for a start, try, try to get that. Um, I would say that any outreach starts with prayer. We overestimate our activities. Evangelicals do this all the time. Overestimate our activities, underestimate our prayers. So before you do anything, pray for that person every day for a week. Let God break your heart for, for what's going on with them. And then I, I think the key, do you know the key, not just in this season, in any season, 
this is cheesy, but people will remember this. Popular people aren't interesting. They're interested. We have a, an absolute problem with loneliness at the moment. Reach out to someone, show an interest in them. And then when, when an interest is shown to you, there's a chance to talk about the hope you have in Jesus that is helping you to navigate this season. People have got to see what's different. What is different when you face COVID, but you face it with Jesus, standing on the rock of ages in the midst of the shifting sands of culture. You've got to see what's different. Now, when it comes to asking questions, I've never asked someone more than seven questions before I've had one back. But I think it's the interest in others that validates the ability to share the hope we have. So show an interest. Ask questions before you proclaim. When the questions are asked back to you, talk about the thing that drives you, your passion that fuels you, and that's Jesus. And into that space, show, show what's different. Don't pretend you're not affected by this season. It's really important that we're honest we have integrity. You know, it's pants. It's really hard. It's really difficult. It's a real struggle. I want my kids to be back at school properly. Things are really difficult. I, I, I fear for the generations to come. I fear for what's coming after COVID. If COVID is a wave, there's a tidal wave for the economy and for the nation. But in the middle of that, I remain hopeful because I have Jesus. I feel like you're a fire hydrant for good. You are speaking in such a way you post uplifting and spiritually enriching things to social media what motivates you to keep going to keep speaking into that space god made me brave but i also ask him to make me kind i think for us as ea when i took over leading ea i felt we need to be braver and kinder in this season so the bravery comes naturally but the kindness comes from god and those two things come together to create the kind of uh, message that keeps going and keeps moving forward. Also, I'm a keen runner. I've run a couple of marathons. I tend to run a thousand miles a year. It's just time with Jesus. And uh, yeah, and any runner will tell you, you can't complete a marathon without sometimes just, just keeping going, even though you don't know how to keep going. You've got to just keep one foot in front of the other. Don't stop. If you stop, you're in trouble. Even if you're a, a much better runner than me, you stop. You won't be able to start again. So you just keep going. And so, so sometimes what keeps me going is saying, do you know what? The pace doesn't matter today. But what matters is doing what's in front of me, serving Jesus. I also think we don't do enough looking up. Too often we look sideways and we moan about what we, the hand we've been dealt, how that person's doing better. This thing's, Actually, look upwards. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will seem strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Easy to say, harder to do. But I try to do that every day. I think we can all safely say this season wasn't what we expected, but how can you see that Jesus is using you in his mission at the moment? Yeah, I mean, when you consider I took over leading the Evangelical Alliance in October 2019, um, I'm young to be doing the job anyway. It's an absolute baptism of fire. But I think the Lord's using the EA powerfully to bring unity. We've got greater access to the corridors of power than we've had in living memory, really. Um, we're trying to bring hope to the church. We called a day of prayer in November that had more engagement than anything we can remember in a long time. I think for me personally, um, the nation's living with mortality salience. I re referred to this earlier. Basically, it's like living in a war zone. We're not living in a war zone. We're on our sofas. But mortality salience is when you're aware of your fragility. You're aware that one day you will die. You're aware of your humanity. And so out of that, you ask the big questions. I think the way the Lord's using me is in answering some of those questions for some people but also in helping the church to believe for this moment, to step forward for this moment. I also think there's a key role for me and my, my leadership of the Evangelical Alliance to now start saying, what needs to happen? 
when we're the other side of this? What needs to happen? Because COVID might not go away, by the way. There might be yearly vaccines and stuff, but lockdowns will go away. So what needs to happen on the other side of this? And so even in that, I was speaking to a church leader just this morning, and uh, they were saying to me they're really afraid of what happens when the church opens again fully. Because that first Sunday, they said, what are the tactics for that first Sunday? I said, well, first tactic, welcome team is the absolute most important job that day. You do it. You're, if, you're, if you're the pastor who cares most about the church, you do the welcome team. Welcome team is the most important thing. Why? Someone's going to turn up on your doorstep that day and you're, someone's going to say to them, is this your first time? And they've been coming for a year. They've just been coming for a year digitally. They've still been coming for a year. How we do welcome, how we do, how, how we do it so that the people that have been coming for the longest don't necessarily get it exactly how they want it, but we actually look after the lost. We can't do church like nectar points. Just because you've been coming forever doesn't mean you've got a greater voice in it. How we do that reintegration is as important as how we do anything now. And so I think as the EA was starting to say, yes, how do we handle the crisis? But how do we also handle the days after the crisis? Because I believe that the ground is going to be ripe for harvest. I'm not sure loads of people have come to faith through this time, but I think loads of people have asked questions. The church will have a moment to build on that to move forward, Christian explored courses, alpha courses, other stuff, and go forward and show that in the midst of what then may be an economic ice age, we still have hope because we still look upwards and we live for Jesus when the world's telling us to live for other stuff. For those who are excited for what is to come but are still feeling the Zoom fatigue, feeling the isolation and the digital heaviness of church, how would you speak into what people are experiencing possibly at the moment? Yeah. Do you know what? First thing I'd say, it's really hard, isn't it? It's really hard. It's really difficult. Habits are difficult too. One of the things we've done in our house is we've kept going to church on Sunday morning, albeit on a screen, at the same time as we'd normally go. Because we felt actually keep a routine, keep doing stuff, even though it's difficult, even though it'd be convenient to stay in bed a bit longer or do something. Keep the routine. You don't want to break the routine because habits are powerful. And what I'd say to people is, is one day at a time, yeah, just don't worry about the next three weeks. Don't worry about the rest of this lockdown. I keep doing this with my daughter. She keeps saying, but daddy, the, the lockdown's so long. No, don't worry about the lockdown. Just worry about today. The Bible's got something to say about that, hasn't it? You know, enough, enough concerns in today. So what I'd say to people is get through today. And you know what I find? Um, I extend that to each week. Weekends have become really precious. The chance of you getting me on a family Zoom on a Saturday is almost zero. You know, maybe on a Sunday, because my folks live in the US, but not on a Saturday. You have to have these days, these screen-free days. These days are precious. And the other thing I'd say as well is the people I know that are most struggling are the people that have kept their, their, their old rhythms like nine to five and doing all of that. It's okay in the middle of the afternoon, particularly this time of year when it's dark so early. It's all right to go for a walk at two. <laughs> you can finish your work. You can do some emails in the evening. So, so, so find some rhythms, find some ways. And you're not alone. Don't fight alone. Find friends, pray with people, be honest. And the final thing I'd say is, I am one of the most positive people you could meet. And yet it's starting to it's starting to have an impact on me that I didn't think it would because it's going on so long. That's made me realise, goodness me, for those who, who were struggling at the start, this must be so hard now. Keep going. Keep moving. Find friends. Journey together and pray. As we head together towards meeting Jesus do you have a particular question that you are excited to one day maybe get to ask him do you know what I've got loads of questions for God I just think when I get to heaven I won't bother asking them but I've had I mean some of them are quite deep 
I've, uh, I've got a Bible college degree. I'm ordained as well. I've got, done loads of studying. I've spoken to some of the best theologians in the world. I've still got a few questions about a few Old Testament stories, if I'm honest. Some of them quite deep around why, why so many people had to die. Others um, a little bit more superficial. Why does Lot's wife become a pillar of salt, not a pillar of pepper? But, you know, um, I think the number one thing for me, I just think when I meet Jesus, I won't be asking any questions. I think I'll just fall on my, fall on my face. And if any, I forget to say anything, it'll probably just be thank you. I think I'll be so overwhelmed um, that he could love me and what he did for me and how he set me free. I don't know about yourself, but for me, when I first came to faith, I thought, deal with the big sins in your life. You're on the highway to heaven. These days, every day I feel like more of a sinner than I did the day before because I get closer to Jesus. I realize his greatness and his lightness and his amazing power and strength and, and grace. And I just feel so inadequate. And I just can't imagine having the audacity to ask him anything. I think I'll just fall at his feet and worship him. And, and that'll be cool. And then if I ever get up again, we'll see. <laughs> yes, that is one that resonates well. Now, Lord willing, all will be well by Keswick. We will be able to hopefully have you come and speak for one of the evenings. The topic is going to be faithful. Do you have any starters for 10? Do you know what I'll be doing in preparing for that? I'll be doing what I always try to do which is, here's the newspaper in one hand, here's the word of God in the other. What does the word of God have to say into the cultural moment we're facing? Because you know what? Maybe it'll be online. I hope not. I hope it's in person. But if it's online, I'll do the same thing. What is God saying in this moment? Um, I, keep, I keep having to write more talks would be what I would say about this season too. Because you know how, um, let's be honest, the odd itinerant here or there, gets a few decent talks and sticks with That doesn't work in this season. So the idea that I would know what I would say in July, I, I don't know. But what I can promise people is it, I will be trying to look with prophetic eyes into what's going on in the culture. I will always start from the word of God and the greatest illustrations are from the word of God and the greatest content is from the word of God. But those two things will come together to hopefully inspire, to hopefully encourage, but also for us to be able to see what's coming. Do you know what I'm looking forward to more than me preaching or anything else though? Wouldn't it be amazing to stand together at Keswick and just worship God? You know, I've um, some, we're all different, aren't we? Some of us love worship, as in sung worship. Some of us, it's cool. I'm, I'm in the it's cool category. I like it. But when I'm at a conference after day three, I'm like, do we have to keep singing? This season has shown me how much I miss it. I am desperate to not just stand in my lounge with my family singing, but to stand with brothers and sisters from every corner of the United Kingdom praising Jesus together. That will be amazing. I similarly cannot wait. My husband and my voices are very small in our living room, so to be able to join with so many others will be such a delight. Also to our listener, I must say this is a strange season and we're all isolated and we've heard about how important it is to keep God's word front and centre in each of our days. Keswick Ministries has produced some printed resources to help you in your walk with the Lord. This looks like Food for the Journey Daily Bible Devotional. There is one on joy and one on persevering, which feels particularly appropriate, I feel, for a time such as this. You can check out Keswick Ministries' website and click resources for more details. Gav, if you can only commend one thing to folks to keep going in 2021, what would that be? Don't drop your spiritual disciplines. They're really out of fashion. Um, if you say to any younger people about spiritual disciplines, they'll tell you it's legalistic, old fashioned. What a load of nonsense. You brush your teeth every day. Why? To be healthy. Healthy things grow. We need healthy Christians in this country for what we're facing, but for also for what's coming. 
So if you stick with one thing, find the time with the Lord every day, get on your knees, open your Bible, pray your prayers. Just don't drop your disciplines, because if we drop our spiritual disciplines, we're in trouble. My fear is that many Christians will drop church attendance, will drop some of the spiritual disciplines. They are what are getting me through this season, not what I'm looking to drop. So, friends, cling to those. Hold tight to your relationship with Jesus. And, and my simple prayer for every person listening is this, that coming out of this pandemic, you know Jesus better than you did coming in. Because that way, you'll be more effective in his hands too. Thank you, Gav. Where can we hear more from you and from the EA? Yeah, I'm the only Gavin Calver on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram, so that's easy to find. And go to eauk.org. And you know what? If you're not a personal member of the EA, tens of thousands of us stand together to make Jesus known. Maybe you'd consider doing that. But more than that, God bless you. Go for it. And I'll see you in the summer. Thank you, Gav. If you want to find out more from Keswick Ministries, keswickministries.org is the place to go. It really has been a blessing to be with you, Gav. Thank you so much for your time, your zeal for the Lord, your enthusiasm, all those good things. And of course, to our listener, thank you very much for listening. Myself or James Kerry will speak to you next time. Mm -hmm.